This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. I think that for the most part, none of us wants to hurt the people that we love. At least that's what I choose to believe. I think that even when we are or may be participating in the discipline of our children or having to say something to a friend that we know will be hard for them to hear or may sting a little bit, the intention is never to hurt them or even punish them. It's the whole thing we talked about last week, the fruit that comes with it, right? It's the change that we seek or know needs to take place for restoration or for growth or for them to walk in the fullness of their purpose. And I also believe that we don't ever especially want to hurt the heart of God. But is that even really possible? Is it even possible that by our words, our actions, our choices, we could actually hurt him? I know that there have been multiple times in my life, and I'm certainly not proud of any of them, but especially when I've had to deal with any type of discipline or correction or consequence of any kind. I've joined my heart in agreement with the lying accusations of the enemy. I can honestly say that. How many times have you heard or even said, how could God do this to me? How could God allow this? Why would God let something like this happen? What kind of God would do dot 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 what kind of God indeed I think the more time I spend in pursuit of God and the more I get to really know him and his son I can totally understand and relate to David and what he wrote in Psalm 8 4 he said this what is man that you even think of him (laughs) and a son of man that you are concerned about him in other words Why does God even put up with us? Even those of us who are called his children sometimes live our lives like he doesn't matter or doesn't exist at all. We flagrantly disobey his will, his word, his heart, even when we know clearly what he wants from us. And a lot of times we have a solid line that goes with it. We'll say, I'm just not there yet. We can spend hours and hours of our unrenewable time seeking, pursuing, feeding on, even obsessed with other things, other people, while we devote little or no time at all to him. We can save our money, borrow money, sometimes even steal money to buy things, do things, reward ourselves with things for ourselves or for others and maybe give him a tenth or a little over sometimes And when we do that, we really feel like we're doing something great. Now, let me be clear, because anytime you mention money, people get, they want to turn you off. I know that there are several ways to give unto the Lord. So this is not about how or where or to whom you give your money. That is not what this episode is about. In fact, this isn't about money at all. Just as a whole, 
We seem to treat everything and everyone in our lives and our worlds better than we treat him. We even give our hearts along with our time, our attention, our resources to people who don't even know us. People who never will know us, nor do they care. And then there's the God who created us. He personally, individually, created and formed each and every one of us according to the dream and the vision of his heart. He breathed the wind of his spirit into us and we became living souls. Did you ever think about how like a baby can be formed and grow in a totally liquid environment in its mother's womb, never feeling or even encountering air or wind or breath, and then come out into an entirely foreign environment outside the womb and breathe in air and still live? Isn't that wild? I don't know. That <laughs> something I think about. That verse in Genesis 2-7 where it says that after God formed Adam, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So God had to be like right in his face when he breathed into him. And so when Adam's eyes first opened, the first things he would have seen was God himself. The first thing he would have smelled was God himself. Isn't that? Okay, that didn't have anything to do with it. It just blows my mind. <laughs> we are the objects of his creation, his imagination, and his affection. And because Isaiah 46.10 says that he knows the end from the beginning, that means he knew from the very beginning that we would betray him. So from the very beginning, he devised a plan so that we would not be separated from him. He created a son in his perfect image and likeness and then sent him to die. This is the God that I'm talking about. In fact, I started talking about David's song uh, to the Lord in Psalm 8. So let me read some more of it. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic, King James says, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. And when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you would think of him and a son of man that you are concerned about him? Just it goes on and on. This is such an incredible song. David writes this majestic, excellent, magnificent God. This is the one that I'm talking about. But it's almost like we don't always see or know or even understand who he even is and I've heard people say before that we can and we do hurt the heart of God with our choices our actions but I never actually saw that in the Bible I hear people preaching a lot of stuff that I don't actually see in the Bible and I certainly have done it myself and I never really saw that until I was recently reading in the book of Ezekiel, in the sixth chapter, the Lord is talking to Ezekiel about the idolatrous worship of Israel. And he gave him a word about how he was going to deal with Israel. And honestly, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> that, that discipline was not pretty. In verse eight, 
he declares that even in the midst of his judgment, he would show them mercy by leaving them a remnant. And here's why. In verse 9, he said this. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be taken captive. How I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me, and by their eyes which committed infidelity with their idols. Often when people see or hear about adultery and idolatry in the Bible, they feel like they can't relate, especially if they've never committed any kind of adulterous sexual sin or ever bowed down to a statue or an object in worship. But in this verse, adultery and idolatry both have a similar meaning in terms of how the Lord sees it and sees us. In this verse, it does not have a literal meaning, but a figurative one. And it means to commit idolatry since Jewish people at that time, you know, the Hebrews were required by him as being in covenant with him. So in this verse and in others, talking about idolatry, talking about adultery, this is speaking metaphorically about Israel's breach of the covenant that they had with the Lord. And that same covenant exists between us and God today. He does not simply view us as his children, but also as a bride for his son. Not just a body or a group of people who believe in him, but a body of people who are all on one accord, all one, who are completely, passionately, wildly obsessed with their bridegroom king and waiting for his return. When I read that verse in Ezekiel, even though he was talking about his judgment for their behavior, that wasn't even what I saw. I couldn't get past the reality that the people who God created actually had the ability and did hurt his heart. And I thought about myself, how often I have hurt his heart by doing the same things, by betraying my covenant with him. It, I know personally it bothers me always to know that I've hurt someone just really deeply because it's never something that I want to do. And even though I know that it will happen from time to time, I hate it when it happens. And as important as it is to not hurt or damage any of the people who are in my life or who walk through my life, that can never be more important to me than hurting his heart. No matter what type of covenants we may make here on earth, there is a greater one that we have with the one who created us. And many of us would never think about saying or doing certain things, for example, to our parents or around them or in front of them, talking about our natural parents, or even other people that we admire and respect. But I wonder how often do we give our words and actions the same scrutiny when it comes to the Lord? I say it often and I think it often. Whatever we do for anybody else, he is worth a thousand times more because he's worth everything. Whatever it is, 
whatever he asks, whatever he requires, whatever I have to do or endure, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, he's worth it. Because there is now and never will there ever be another person on this earth who can, who could, who would do what he has done for us willingly, joyfully, all for the sake of having us, of loving us, of being in relationship with us. And when you do think about relationship with Jesus, to me, it really seems like a very imbalanced equation, right? I really feel like when I sit and think about it, he's the one who gets the short end of the stick in relationship with us. John said in his first letter, um, chapter 4, verse 19, that we love him because he first loved us. So, in other words, we let him love us, and all we do is love him back in response, in return. And because of that covenant of love, if we surrender to him and to his love, he lives in us and through us. He leads us. All we do is follow and respond. What that means is I don't even have to figure anything out. All I have to do is what he said. He makes all the plans. He works out all the provision. All I have to do is listen, go along with the ride, respond and obey. The Bible says that he carries our griefs, our sorrows. In exchange, we live in his peace. Everything that we have, he gave us. And we give back a small share of what has come from him. We cast our cares on him. In return, he gives us our comfort. We cast our sins at his feet. In return, he cleanses us with his blood. When you think about it, it's almost like he gets very little from us in return. He does everything. And in exchange for the everything, we give him us which in comparison seems so very small we give him our hearts and he does everything else he does the rest we put no thing no one above him in our hearts in our lives and he will do everything that concerns us everything that we need everything that not everything that we want <laughs> But many of the things that we want, he even gives us the desires of our heart and then fulfills them. Who wouldn't take a deal like that? Who wouldn't love a God like that? Who wouldn't let him do the thing he does in us, through us, for us, every day as he pleases? So I just want to encourage you, family. I want you to think about it. It's not just the things we say and do and choices that we make that hurt people on the earth. When we break our covenant with God and the things that matter to him, it's like being adulterous and idolatrous to him and it hurts his heart. And all he wants is to dwell with us, to live in us, and to love us. All he wants 
is for us to let him live through us every day the way he pleases out loud.